This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, welcome to another VRL USA podcast. I know we've had them being a little more infrequent um, during this short summer break, but this is Alan and I'm here with Sid. Welcome, Sid. How are you doing? Hi, Alan. Uh, you know, someday we'll actually know what the schedule is for the <laughs> Spanish league. So part of part of the difficulty of talking about a season, which, if I'm not mistaken, is actually only two weeks away from starting. Don't actually know. We, we at least now know the teams that will be part of the top division, which is an improvement from uh, the last time we talked and. As right. suppose we learned that last weekend um, yes, and, with another Comunidad Valenciana team joining us. Yes, and I know you're really delighted because um, years ago when Elche came to Villarreal, you had a really great time with the with the fans that came from down south. And I know, I think a lot of us were really happy to see Elche back in the top flight. So, yeah, yeah. it's been been a long road. Been a long road. Interesting. Uh, to see a team like Leeds as well come back up at this time. So, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Our, our southern neighbors, you know, the circumstances of what happened, um, you know, is, is not dissimilar from what happened with VRL in Mallorca, that ABAR put in a complaint that functionally Elks weren't paying their players. Mm-hmm. And that was what sent them down. They actually stayed up on the pitch. And then I think when people started actually unraveling what was going on, I think they were financially sent down another level. That's correct. Um, yeah. And then now two consecutive seasons. And, of course, there's all of the drama of how they even made the playoff. And it's one of those things, I suppose, if you look back, you say, well, if they made the playoff by the miracle, then I suppose they were fated to to come up through it. Um, right. right. Because as as our listeners would know, Fuenlabrada was actually the team sitting in sixth place in the Segunda um, with one round to go. And that game against Deport never got played. Um, due well, to, eventually got played. Yeah, but not not at the right time. Yeah, it eventually got played. Yeah, did the match ever happen? Yeah, yeah, because they yeah that oh yeah Daypour won. Okay, all Fuen Labrada needed was a draw, right? Correct. And and it's a goes into extra time and it's a draw and then there's a penalty that Daypour gets right toward the end that they convert and that's that's how Fuen Labrada got knocked out of the playoffs. I I didn't even know that I realized that. I thought the match never actually happened. So there you go. And Uh, so then, of course, Elche um, fight their way, you know, qualify for the fourth spot in the playoffs. And then they end up going, you know, defeating Girona uh, in extra time. 
you know, they, they were a man up for quite a while and then they converted the goal. And it was shades of the, um, Elch team that, uh, went up with us back in, uh, 2012, 2013. They, they allowed no goals in their, in their, uh, playoff games. I mean, that the, the team in 2012-13 won the Segunda, but they, they did it on great defense and that's what this, this yep. team too. So, anyway, yeah. that's yeah. But but it's kind of oh like, my gosh, I didn't even realize it's uh, saying Juan Labrada had seven professional players to play the game. So right, right, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Uh, so that's even that's even one more twist. I didn't even realize the game happened. Then, as you say, of course they were ahead. Depor yep. is playing that game for nothing. And yet, I suppose some some morbo there about the fact that they didn't get to play that game. It seems like they were still playing till the end. Uh, wow. Well, I think boy, the one thing only one, only in Spain, Alan. Only I, in Spain. I think the only the only motivation they poor have was that if they won the game, they they would be the top of the relegated teams. And since they're they were arguing so heavily for when Labrada to be sent down, maybe they figured Got it. They'd stay Got out. It. That'd be the only figure, but yeah, it was quite wild. I know, only a thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, but but now they've got like two weeks to get this to get ready for a season. I, you know, it's you know, you you look at all the transfer stuff and and everything that how long it takes to get things accomplished, and it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, well, a lot of loans, a lot of loans, a lot of loans. Um, yeah. Interesting, the guy who scored those goals for Depor, I remember him. This is a, a good uh, shout to our U.S. viewers. If, if you watch the Gold Cup, Claudio, Claudio Bovu plays for Guadeloupe. Oh, right. It was one of those fun teams that make made one of those kinds of runs. I think the last time out it was Haiti who got rather mm-hmm. robbed uh, against Mexico, I think, in the semifinal. Uh, they got that far. But, yeah, so uh, the, the yeah. CONCACAF uh, controversy, I suppose, knows knows no bounds. So he, right. he must have been very familiar with doing something like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. you mentioned transfers. So mm. we're now um, three three-fifths of the way through the – preseason um and uh have not been able to have first-hand viewing ability of any of these matches um but sort of what 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 are reports telling you about what you're seeing from Kubo, Parejo, Coquelin and um of course the missing pieces of what needs to be filled in in this squad right I think the um I did get to see the first match on TV, albeit from a rather low camera angle. Um, Against Cartagena. Yeah, I did not get to see the other two. Um, and and Cartagena is, is in the Segunda, but just got promoted. Right. Um, and, everything. and, of course, their goal scorer was our player, Simone, uh, on loan to them. Right. And then Tenerife in the Segunda, sort of solidly mid-table kind of team, and then Valencia, of course. Right. Well, what I've basically been, um, I mean, I think that, 
I think I would preface everything with the fact that the fan base is just, you know, this is such a weird thing. I think everybody's really maybe paying a bit too much attention to preseason results than, than they should. But I guess what I've heard is that the, um, the, if you think of our sort of best starting lineup, however you define that, um, and maybe against Valencia for the first half, that's what we put out there. Um, I think that was, uh, those players have played reasonably well. It's been interesting to watch that, that Emery has used more of a 4-4-2, um, than people expected. Um, I think I only saw Kubo, um, live, say in the first match. He, he looked very good, had some nice touches and was really, moving around the box a lot. He wasn't, he wasn't really staying in one, one place. He was being very mobile in the way that you think of Santi and Connie in the old days doing. Um, but other than that, I think the, there are still obvious needs in the roster, which we can talk about. What's been interesting is that Alfonso Pedraza has been getting a fair amount of playing time and Presumably that's because Emery actually values him and wants to keep him, um, rather than we're putting him in the showcase to sell him. Um, Antaveros, on the other hand, I think might be going on a loan somewhere. Maybe, maybe we loan him to Elche for a year. I don't know. He's, he seems to be getting less, um, less time under Emery. And if you, you know, it's always hard to draw conclusions from preseason matches, but that's one thing that, that people have noticed is that Pedraza seems more in than they thought. And I would say, um, Ontivero seems more out than they thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think interesting as well, seeing that looks like Pena maybe, maybe looking a, a little bit ahead of, of Mario. Um, yeah. Well, Mario's, you know, Mario, uh, we think he's, he was the first positive. He was the COVID. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. But I, but I do think that, I do think Pena is more of a type of player that, um, that, uh, Emery likes. Um, that makes sense as well. It looks like Mario was, was not in the squad for the Valencia right, match. Right. So. I think the other thing that's interesting, if you look at, if you look at the play, I mean, left back, to a lesser extent right back, but if you look at left back where we really have had quite a log jam, it, it's interesting that we sort of pulled, pulled the plug on Kintia and we pulled the plug on Miguelon who can play on both sides, I guess, or has played on both sides. Um, what I found interesting about the Miguelon sale or loan with purchase option was that at the same time we turned around and loaned Enric Franqueza out again and we didn't include a purchase option with him so is that saying that we still have hopes for him to compete at left back at some point i don't i don't know it it might make more sense because you've got joe mccosta who is getting who is evidently back um you know that's there's there's still a lot of bodies on on the uh at, at the fullback area Unfortunately, none of them, um, as far as I know, are being looked at to play center back. And that's where we really have our need, as I realize I'm preaching to the choir here. But, you know, that's, yet again, that's the position that we need to reinforce where we just haven't 
done anything. And it's, and I think we saw in both of the latter two matches the effects of that. Do, have we heard anything about Alberto Moreno? I've seen him on the team feed, um, he, you know, he, seeming to joke around and things, but he yeah. wasn't in the squad either for the uh, Valencia match. He was, well, he played against, um, against Tenerife, I think, and came off with, you know, his usual sort of muscle pull kind of Got thing. It. Got it. So, okay. But otherwise he's been, he's been pretty much, um, I think featured there. So. Yeah. Yep, that was just wondering because I know we we knew of one player, but thought there was a chance that maybe there was a second positive as well. Or, yeah, or do we it, think that that was no, more, I've, I've, more likely a staff person? Well, we've heard a couple of things. I've heard a couple of rumors, and then there are a couple of things that I don't know about um, okay. that people are kind of wondering about. One of them is supposedly the second positive might be Funes Mori. Um, it also might be apparently Mariano Barbosa, who we um, said he, who was on a one-year deal that we chose not to renew um, as a as basically our third string keeper. Um, he's still in Buriana. Apparently, he is you know like a lot of people that come to Villarreal, he's like really likes the area and isn't in a hurry to go home to Argentina. So. One thing I read suggested that he was still there and, you know, maybe he is a positive as well. We don't know, but he's not, he's not a team member. So, but it would make sense that Funes Mori would hang out with him, them both being from Argentina. Um, and Funes Mori has been rehabbing from his injury anyway. He hasn't been right in the game. So, so that's, so that's the possibility there. The other thing that's kind of curious is Manu Trigueros because we haven't seen him at all as mm-hmm. far as I know. And I haven't seen him in any of the practices. Maybe he's been there, but I haven't seen him in the feeds. So people are wondering about him. You know, what's, mm-hmm. what's, um, is he, did he test positive for COVID or is there something else going on? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Again, I, you know, we we talked at one point that maybe that was sort of a player who might make sense to move, but I think we always thought his value to us was more than mm-hmm. uh, than we would find with other people. Um, but I, I was I was going to go into a little bit of sort of the the squad and and you know you've given a good overview and we we know about center back um, mm-hmm. where. You know, right yeah. now, again, it's kind of two players and, you know, it was interesting. You were saying, well, who else could play there? It's uh, Jaume Costa played there. So that's the, the next iteration of the Mario experiment. I suppose we're going one layer deeper. Yeah. Uh, and of course that didn't last because that was in the, then, um, he had to move to left back when, uh, when Moreno had to come. So it really didn't get a, so he really didn't get a um, full, you know, 90 minutes of that. But, yeah, I suppose, I mean, that is an experiment, but I really question why. That, to me, feels like, okay, it's something to experiment with in case you're in an emergency down the road where you've got two injuries and a suspension or something. It, it, that's not your answer as a third center back or fourth center back for the season, especially when you can, I think, 
Um, there are probably, a, if you don't want to spend a lot of money reinforcing the position right now with a, with somebody who's going to compete with, with, um, with Albiol on a regular basis, you can go out there and get somebody for a couple of million euros, um, like, you know, Fazio or somebody like that who, who you're not paying enough money for if they expect to start and they're not at the point of their career where they expect to start. So maybe that's where we want to be going with it. But I feel like Emery has basically wanted to take a look at Chakla. He's wanted to take a look at, at Jaume as an emergency center back. He's taken a look at um, Copete, who mm-hmm. I think was on the C team most of last year. I can't remember. Yeah, I was going to say far far down the chain of far guys like Carlos Blanco yeah. and otherwise yeah. who, who all have left in the interim. Right. Know, Andre was another of our defensive uh, prospects, and he went to Holland. So, right. right. So I think the I think the um, it almost seems like Emery has sort of used these games, at least the second halves of some of these matches, to figure out. Okay, let me take a look at these guys and see if I think there's any hope for them here, um, or you know, let me get a sense of what what we've got, and that's fine. I think if if he's watching the same matches that I was at least listening to or being informed about, I think he's probably decided that we need a center back <laughs> um, because <laughs> I don't think, um, you know, Chakla is not Primera material and Copete is, is, is not either at this point. So uh, that would be, yeah, my- but I, I do think the one thing in, in defense of anything, and trust me that I'd, I'd love to see the center back here, you know, last season. Um, but, you know, for a, for a player like a Siovas or a Fazio, which I think we're pretty sure is going to be the profile. It's not going to be, you know, a 24 year old who's coming and, and looking to kind of mm-hmm. compete immediately, uh, as, as a starter. Uh, those guys don't take as long to adjust. You know, right. somebody like Fazio from Argentina, then has played in Spain, then has played in Italy. Like he, he's not going to take that long to sort of get with the flow. Um, right. So, so I don't, I don't have as much worry about one of those kinds of players sort of coming in late. And as again, you know, the sort of rhythm of, of early season matches and, you know, that there's this, the international break is actually at a weird time because if I'm not mistaken, it's actually before the season starts. Um, it's right before or else right after. Yeah, and so Powell will be gone. So that's going to be interesting to see if he's actually playing or even just his absence. Yeah. You know, going into the opening week of the season, he won't have trained with the team um, for for a week. Um, right, right. But, but what, I, what I was going to say about Jaume, though, that – and again, not that this is necessarily the solution, but we still have three left backs right now. And if the theory is Pedraza is sort of proving his worth, um, and it's actually an interesting thing. I was going to mention that, you know, he, he has one year left on his deal, and it does tend to be the thing that in soccer versus some other sports, uh, and, you know, I follow hockey, and there was a – situation with the Washington team that the goaltender was on the last year of his contract. So if you're looking at that as an asset, that was something, well, if you play it out, it goes to zero. 
mm-hmm. and then you lose the player, we've always tended to say, okay, well, we're going to try and sell them a year before to get something. Right. Um, you know, maybe this is one of those cases if Pedraza is kind of dead set on leaving and you're not going to get him to sign an extension, sort of the only way you're going to be able to keep him to for a longer term is he's going to have to play this year and, and that'll have to change his mind. Mm-hmm. Meaning there's not going to be an option now for us to sign, to extend him and then try and move him and by the fact that we extended him, try and get an increased fee. Yeah. So that's an interesting case of, you know, it doesn't happen very often in soccer that, you know, somebody sort of going into the prime of their career actually right. has an expiring contract. Um, well, say that's, that's the and, thing. and we know, again, he's got all the talent in the world. I think it's, it's between the ears that he seems to have shown some of the immaturity. And then frankly, he, you know, because of that, he wasted a year last year for his development. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, for my money, he's, he's a better player than our other two options at left back. He, well, he's I, the, he's the most dynamic, you know, by far going forward. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, his pace, and that's just a thing these days with wingers. And we also know we've had some deficiencies. You know, if he's on Samu's side, you do need somebody who can sort of, <laughs> you know, put the tail, put their tail up and get back defensively. Um right. So, so that, I mean, that'll be interesting to see. And, and we've also seen with prior VRL coaches that they tend to sort of move players like that around the field. Uh-huh. Um, almost feel like in a way though, what Pedraza really needs is structure. And so yeah. doing something like that to him is, is almost, you know, I think it's, it's like an Ebora thing that he can probably help you in four or five places. But I really think just saying, like, here's your role. This is what you're going to do. Um, yeah. I think he could be our, our breakout star of the year for sure. Yeah. It's just, as you say, it's just whether we're able to extend his contract, whether he decides he wants to stick around. I think, I think that that's, that was a situation where I think we fully expected him to go to Betty's and do well and they would pick up the purchase option. And of course, then with, um, then with uh, COVID, you know, valuations have maybe changed anyway. I guess that's the other thing we should point out is that the the um, as the uh, Fulham um, Zambo Anguissa uh, situation is still not totally resolved either. I mean, we 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 want to buy him, we just don't want to buy him for the price in one go. I guess um, I'm not. Sure. Now that we've got the other players, how you know we we still have the offer on the table. He apparently wants to come to Villarreal. Fulham apparently have signed players sort of over him, so the expectation is he's going to move. I just think Fulham are holding out in case somebody else comes in with more money. Sure. sure. Yeah. Which and would, and you know. again, given that transfer window and things is extended this year. Um, yeah, there is some some more logic to that. that. Um, yeah, but I think something interesting. I was gonna get to the central midfield is, 
And and again, this is a familiarity thing, but I think it, it's an interesting question. Parejo and Coquelin have been playing together. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the points they've been playing. That kind of elbows Ibora out of the way if Ibora is not playing up front. And I think something, probably the most surprising thing that we've seen is seeing so much of Gerard and Paco or mm. Gerard and Ferninho, but seeing two strikers, okay. when I think we had the expectation we were going to be seeing, we were not going to be seeing, you know, a 4-4-2, not necessarily in shape, but in personnel. Right. So so what do you, I think for me, sort of, other than the missing pieces, the most interesting personnel question, other than Pedraza, and again, I think he's sort of settling himself in as a left back, because we all know, you know, Jaume has his strengths, he has his weaknesses, but he's kind of sort of, you know what you're getting, uh, right. the upside with somebody like Pedraza or even Alberto Moreno, but he's uh, just tough to rely on him, um, mm-hmm. is higher. But where where do you see Bora fitting in this picture? Because, you know, again, I think he was very important in us staying up two years ago. She was. Um and when he's played well, the team has really functioned well in the time he's been here. Yeah, it's a good question. I I don't I don't know. I think he I think he could help us in a number of different positions, as you said. I just wonder if maybe part of what again I'm I almost feel like Emery playing um, Parejo and Cocolin with with um, in, in our midfield. I mean. Of course, he, he should be familiar with them, too. But I think he probably is figuring Ebora is going to get some time in there. But I'm just wondering if, in terms of getting Parejo and Coquelin adapted to Villarreal, it's easier to put them both out there together. I don't know. That that would be mm-hmm. my... Um, mm-hmm. the and other, that makes sense. But I, I think the other thing I was going to throw in is you mentioning if we're still out there for Angisa. Does yeah. he see yeah. this as sort of these are two sort of these are the two different structures I can play with and maybe I'm not sort of trying to intermingle between them. Or maybe he sees Angisa fitting in uh, in a different place on the field than we're thinking. Because it does seem yeah. like a lot if Angisa is coming in as a central midfielder, certainly yeah. seems like a lot to have four players plus we haven't mentioned Manu Morlanes, who I yeah. also note was not in the squad, and yeah. we haven't mentioned Trigueros. Right, um, right. So if Agisa yeah. is actually targeted to play there, so so again, that leads me to say potentially, you know, is Ibora sort of the fourth center back we're looking at? You know, yeah. Some, I something, you know, sort of something, not yeah. jiving exactly with what, we're, what we look at on the roster and say this is where they go. Right, and I think with Ebora, um, I guess the only thing is, I would have thought that if he were being considered as a fourth center back, we certainly had opportunities to play him there. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, the thing I am confused by that too. I mean, it, it it seems odd that we have a we're thin at center back. We've got log jams on, at full back and in in midfield. And then up front, we have essentially um, the problem there is I don't think Carlos Baca wants to leave, and I don't think 
we've found a, a destination for him that he'll accept. And so we've been linked with some other players, um, but we're not going to bother to sign somebody like Luis Suarez from Watford if we, unless we can move Baca. So I kind of feel like maybe up front we, even if we play two strikers most of the time, we may be fairly well set with Baca, Gerard, and Paco. And Fernino is kind of a an option in some games where we you know want to do that. Um, yeah. It do just you, it, do you, do you think Baca actually will stay? My my feeling is that he's he's one foot out the door. Well, I kind of feel like he, I I I don't think he should stay. I don't. I feel like the club, frankly, at this point, probably. Um, I would think that they're really trying to move him and his contract. Um, we're kind of stuck because we, when we took him from Milan, we gave him a longer deal than we should have, frankly. Um, and so we are, and maybe that. And as, as Zach very well explained on the site, that some of that, of course, is to, to minimize the, the upfront transfer. That's right. that's right. That's right. So we were trying to do that. And so that's, that's how we did it. Yeah. But I think the, but I think the problem with that is that now we're, when we've done that before, I mean, I'm thinking the, the player where that happened before was, um, Soldado. Well, Soldado was able to sort of buy himself out of his contract and then go to Turkey, right? Baca, doesn't have any, probably has a similar provision. He just doesn't have any desire to do it. And, you know, he's very happy where he, where he is. Um, I would have, I, I think he would have one foot out the door, but I haven't seen a move for him. Um, and he's got to be willing to accept quite a bit less in salary if he's going to go back to Colombia or someplace like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that wasn't going to be what I was imagining, but I was thinking but he, like but apparently, maybe something like Turkey. But. Turkey maybe, but but he's he's apparently ruled out going to some place like China or whatever. He's not interested in doing that. So, you know, you really are pretty much limited to European leagues of which, yeah, Turkey might be okay, but then we know from Victor Ruiz going over there and having all sorts of contract disputes and everything, it's not, it's not necessarily the destination you want to go to. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so. Now, it's also possible, and I, and I want to say we did this off the top of my head, not jumping who it was, but I think we've also done a two-year loan with certain players, maybe with Nawel we did. Well, yeah. Who, um, with Afif, I'm, I'm imagining we did as well. Somebody sort of on, on an, a, you know, trying to sort of, <laughs> hey, they, they have a contract at a, at a, you know, top five team in Spain. They're not turning down the money. Um, mm-hmm. But, hey, we're not going to charge you a fee for this player if you're willing to take on that contract. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so seems seems like something that's possible. I'm encouraged to see that Fernino has been has been playing and uh, seems seems to be sort of fitting in pretty nicely. So, you know, I, again within this scheme and and you know, I think reports vary. To me, it sounds like you know when it's Gerard and Paco, 
Gerard is is doing what he does of being a little bit more on the wing, and mm-hmm. it's not really sort of a conventional four four two, right? Um, right. But you know, and, and I think something else we talked about with Fernandinho is if he's going to stay, you got to play him. So I, I really do think that he is, you know, sort of that third striker option. And if you do bring somebody in, you know, that Callejon rumor is still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does sort of need to be somebody more like that, that you can, you know, he doesn't have to necessarily play as a striker. He can move around and he can play on the wings as well. Um, because again, if Fair's going to be here, he needs to get minutes. Yeah, I, and I think that it's been interesting in this window that there have been, well, there have been a couple of deals that you could tell from the start got talked about and then sort of went on the back burner. Um, one of them being, uh, Oscar from, from, uh, Madrid on, on either loan or purchase. And, you know, it seemed like that sort of fell through once other options came up and now he's gone to Sevilla. Um, but I think that the other one, yeah, Kale Kalehon was, um, Kalehon was, uh, we had actually had a report from the Italian journalist who I actually trust among the Italian journalists who mm-hmm. said, yeah, DiMarzio. DiMarzio, who basically said, you know, he's in, he, he and his agent are in Villarreal negotiating, expect something to happen. And it, and that was last week and nothing's happened. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I, it, it's a strange, transfer market because everybody is walking on eggshells because of COVID. I mean, nobody knows when they're going to be able to get fans back in the stadium. Nobody knows if they're, you know, what happens if we start the season and there are more big outbreaks in in teams? I mean, nobody really is taking a chance on anything, it seems to me. So, you know, the only, the only, the only big money deals, at least in Spain, have been Valencia having their fire sale that may or may not be a fire sale. But, you know, they've been moving some players for money, but there's not a lot of interest in spending at this point on the sort of five to ten million dollar deals, million euro deals that you often see a lot of those done by now. And it just feels to me like everybody's kind of looking at their books and trying to say, well, what if this and what if that? And Mm -hmm. And, yeah, yeah, and and I think you have a little bit of an interesting situation as well in terms of people are struggling with how much emphasis to put on that eleven match stretch, you know, in the sort of global thing. And we talked about this, of course, mm-hmm. with, related to Kaeha, that you know, the recency bias we all suffer from, you know, that was 11 matches in, what, six weeks? Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, with players not having played a match for three months before. And so, you know, how, how much do you look and say, oh, that was really what our squad was missing or needed? Mm-hmm. You know, I think the conclusions you're really drawing are much more on a six to nine month time frame. And then you also, like you said, have to think about, like, okay, are we bringing over a player from, you know, a different country? What has been their testing protocol? What has their life been look like? And, and, you know, with all of the 
social movements in the U.S., you do, uh, you know, reminds us a little bit more. These players are people too. Yeah. Um, exactly. And, and I think there's a lot more, you know, it's, it's noticeable that all the players we signed were already in Spain. Um, so, you know, do people want to upend their lives now and move from another country? Um, you know, I think the cross continent transfer market seems to have very significantly dried up. Um, so, so all of those different things just logistically, uh, you know, are, are challenging. So I think that's why, you know, pretty much all the rumors we're hearing, say for a couple related to Italy are Spain to Spain transfers. Um, and obviously that significantly limits your market. Um, you know, having, having teams like Valencia sell to us are only out of dire need. It's very unusual that sort of teams in your bracket are going to sell to you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when a Madrid is selling to us, it's on the terms like with Kubo that we just pay them a bunch of money and have no rights to the player. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking right at, you know, the top half of the segunda and some of the bottom half of the primera. So I'm still a little bit interested in why there hasn't been sort of more smoke and fire about some of the relegated teams. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, (laughs) I think this is also another reminder of how many players we have, because we haven't even in our conversation talked about people like Rava. Right. I mean, there are just so many, so many bodies. So even, you know, with this spell of Franquesa and Simon and Ivan Martin and all these guys going on loan, you're still looking at this team and, and the roster is saying there's six to eight guys who still have to leave for us to have any reasonable number of players. Yeah. Um, so, and, so that, that, yeah. that's an issue in bringing players in where you don't have a landing place for some of these guys yet. Right. And I think normally I would say, you know, we would have guys like, I mean, in a normal transfer market and in a normal season, I think we would probably see guys like Raba, even, you know, he might even there, there might have been a team come in for Fair Nino and say, gee, we really like to take this guy on loan. And we might have said, oh, OK, we'll do that. Um, certainly Raba, um, more, you know, a lot, there are a lot of players who, who we could move or loan, um, in a regular season, but right now we're not there. And we haven't even talked about, I guess the one move we did make, um, in terms of a departure was Andres Fernandez. So we haven't even talked about, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the, the, the situation at, um, goalkeeper where we have Asenjo as a number one, but we don't have anybody really Behind him, and that's um, there have been some. Our B team keeper left fully, so yes. you know that pipeline we've had of the Ortola and Mourinho and all those guys. Right now, the B team keepers are two guys with no experience, right? Who have been getting a little bit of playing time.